162 games of the baseball season and winter comes along just to end it. So the annual problem for a baseball fan is finding a good way to watch it. Like maybe going to the park or watching on TV or just catching the highlights. Watching Gary Sanchez strike out a hundred times or seeing Judge hit a bomb. Bang! Bogart's making plays, Rafi hitting nukes, or Barnes blowing a save. Arguing with your friend, making dumb bets, or complaining about your team again. As you can tell, there's a whole lot of stuff to hear before winter comes again. Come on, y'all. So chill with us, cause Gamby and Beal are gonna say it all. So chill with us, cause Gamby and Beal are gonna say it all. Manfred! Gamby and Beal are making a podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Yank Your Socks Off podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mr. Andrew Gambardella, and joining me as always, my best friend and co-host, Mr. Matthew Beal. Beal, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty fine. Pretty fantastic. You're right. You are pretty fine. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So on today's podcast, we're mainly going to talk about football. But before we got we get there, you wanted to touch on your Red Sox before we begin. Now, with my Yankees, there hasn't been much to talk about other than there's upcoming competitions for who plays and who doesn't. But we're still a long way off from spring training, so I'll let you take the floor here, Bill. Yeah. What have the Red Sox been doing? Sure. Let's let's jump into it. Um. The Red Sox, after not signing Xander Bogarts, have uh, taken a pretty sharp turn this offseason, um, as most people can tell. Uh, they're not trying to exceed the luxury tax. And I think going into, uh, well, let's just call it post Dever signing, the Sox had about 20 ish million dollars to spend. Um, about half of that is gone, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, there's there's some acquisitions, excuse me, acquisitions in the last uh, week or so, um, and honestly, it's it's kind of tough to see where we stand. Um, one of the signings that I mentioned uh, last episode at the end is that we got Adam Duvall on a seven year, one year or seven year, uh, <laughs> that would be <laughs> seven million dollar one year contract. Um, worth up to $10 million if he plays, I think, like, I don't know. I I don't know how many plate appearances it is, but maybe let's just call it 400. So if he plays, like, you know, a two-thirds of the season. He, yeah, pretty yeah. much an everyday role. Like, it, you know, like he's in a platoon, but, like, he's the starter. He's got to play a starter's role. Right, exactly. Yeah, I got you. I think that's what it is. I could be wrong on the number, but, you know. 
whatever. Um, so he could make up to 10 mil. So let's call that half of the budget. Um, there was a trade made for Adalberto Mondesi, who I honestly, I'm excited about this trade. The Red Sox, by getting Duvall, have kind of rounded out their lineup. Uh, the need for Duvall was created because Trevor Story uh, is now going to miss at least half of the season, uh, likely through the All-Star break due to uh, his elbow surgery. Um, so Duvall pushes Kike back into the infield. Uh, we know Kike could play anywhere really at an elite level glove. So uh, he'll be our starting shortstop most likely. Um, and then that puts Christian Arroyo or whatever platoon you come up with. Uh, David Hamilton was one of the players acquired uh, in the Jackie Bradley Jr. trade. Um, when we traded Renfro for Jackie, uh, David Hamilton, I, I think it was in that trade, but you know, at some point last year, there was a lot of them, but uh, you know, lefty second baseman. So, I kind of expect to see a little bit from him at some point in the year because Arroyo does have very good splits against lefties. But anyways, um, that rounded out our lineup. That kind of solidified who would probably start the year in the middle infield, but it does leave us kind of shallow as far as backups go. I mean, yeah, we're waiting on um, guys like David Hamilton to come up, and right now he's sitting in AAA and might make the roster but might not. So, I think Alberto was a great uh, addition because the Red Sox just don't have a ton of speed, especially with Trevor Story down. He was by far our best uh, base stealer. Um, I think besides that, you're looking at maybe a healthy Verdugo as your best base stealer. So um, that's that's not really the best. Um, but uh, but yeah, Alberto. I mean, the dude in a full season, if he was a starter, could probably steal thirty plus bases. Um, but that's probably not what we're gonna see from him. Uh, I mean, I think he's gonna be more of a filling guy, but perfect bench role. Um, he he doesn't know how to hit the ball, but he's stupid fast. Uh, he's got a great glove, and I, I think it's a you know great option as far as a uh, player to play against righties if Arroyo really is struggling against righties. Or uh, we want to throw Kike in center, get Duvall break. I think there's a lot of flexibility there. Um, having a backup shortstop is huge because the Sox just didn't really have that last year. Uh, they're hesitant to play Story at short just because of his elbow and arm constraints uh, due to previous injuries. So um, having a backup is is huge for us and not having to, you know, pull Kike in three directions uh because he's, you know, our only utility player is uh, is pretty nice, and Montesi obviously can also play the outfield. So, um, big benefit there, I think. You know, he's three mil. We we traded Josh Taylor, who's million dollar uh, arbitration player from the bullpen uh, due to an influx of bullpen arms. So, uh, you know, I, I think we're making the right moves. the The bullpen is looking very good. Um, we've talked about that on the podcast before. I probably don't have to jump into it too much, but there was going to be a non-man out. So trading Josh Taylor, uh, was probably the right move. I, I mean, mm. we kind of, we, we end up with a kind of a, a righty heavy bullpen. Um, we've got Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, John Schreiber, uh, all the best pitchers in our bullpen already. So, um, it, it leaves us in, it, an interesting situation yeah. uh, trading our best lefty. But uh, I mean, 
you got to remember we've got uh, Paxton who likely will be um, a relief arm. Uh, and, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting how that plays out, but um, well, I, I don't know. I, I say Paxton could be a relief arm, but you know, maybe, maybe he'll find his way into the rotation over Pavetta. So, I mean, we're definitely righty heavy. That's the only thing that really concerns me. But um, but I like the move from Mondesi. I, I think it balances out our lineup a little bit, gives us a switch hitter to play around with, and you know, um, gives gives the Red Sox some some options. Uh, so uh, you know, we were talking about salary cap. We've got twenty mil to spend minus you know the ten from Duvall and uh, the two from. Mondesi uh, through that trade. So the Red Sox don't have a ton left to spend just because, you know, intensives and things like that can, can tally up. So I I think this might be the lineup that, you know, we're going to have opening day. Uh, If, if you sign Andrus, likely that's going to put you right on the edge of uh, the luxury tax. And it's a little bit risky. It might require a trade mid season to get back under it. Um, We know the Sox are trying to reset this year and, um, so I, I know there was some talk about getting a guy like Andrus or Glacius, but I think Mondesi, uh, you know, kind of replaces that mindset. Um, if there is another move made, I, I think it's trading one of our younger big leaguers for another young big leaguer. So, um, it, you know, might be moving a bat for a pitcher or might be moving, um, a, a minor leaguer for, Again, a pitcher. I, I think the moves that the Sox are looking at is pitching. Um, but overall, I think I think the lineup is there. We've got positions. You've fielded a team. Um, as you could tell, I, I don't really know how to feel about this year. The lineup is intriguing uh, if everybody stays healthy, but we know that's not realistic. Kike's battled injuries. Verdugo's battled injuries. Uh, Devers was hurt half the year last year even through his playing so uh, i mean you know uh, these guys will play through injury but that's not really what you want in a year like this where we're just trying to get under the uh, luxury tax threshold so uh, um you know I'm, I'm hoping that we stay healthy i'm hoping that the team that heim put together is going to score some runs uh, i'm excited for uh masataka yoshida in left field um Oh, and I missed one. We signed uh, Jorge Alfaro to a one-year minor league deal with opt-outs in June and July, I think. Um, that was a – whatever the minimum is, veteran minimum, I think is like a little bit over a million. If he makes the roster, that's three there. So that's going to hit you too. So I really do think this is the end for the Sox if we're looking at it from a standpoint of how much more they can afford. So um, – I like the option of Alfaro. Uh, I mean, the, the Sox have two catchers uh, since the end of last year, Reese McGuire and Connor Wong. And I think both of them are a little bit, a little bit more of a, um, I don't know what you call it, like journeyman combo, like back and forth between AAA and major leagues. It's, it's tough to figure out which guy is going to fit on the roster, which guy is going to be the starter. Um, and I feel like, we'd be happy to hit on one of them, both being young catchers and unproven catchers. And so Alfaro kind of gives us a chance of, you know, a better chance of hitting on a catcher. And um, 
you know, we, we do have him to fall back on if, if we just need someone to put up somewhat consistent offensive numbers. He had a decent year with Padres last year. So um, I'm happy about the depth. I think the depth has gotten better. But as we've talked about, it's, it's discouraging to see that this is just going to be a bridge year. Um, trying to get under the luxury tax because it doesn't feel like we're going to win. It just feels like we're putting a team together with cheap pieces. And I mean, who knows? Duvall might be the next Renfro. Uh, um, it, Mondesi might be an absolute steal uh, if he's able to steal bags and play defense. That's kind of all you want out of a shortstop sometimes. So, um, I mean, these are pieces. They're guys that will go out on the field and play baseball and they're proven big leaguers so um i don't i don't have anything against them but it's it's a very new team there's only a few uh people coming back who will keep the same positions they had last year um it would be verdugo devers Uh, i mean kike is not keeping the same position you got cassis you know who's new at first base You've got new catchers, um, Arroyo, who's going to play his first full year at second base. So, I mean, there's there's a lot moving around here. So, um, some familiar faces, but it's it's going to be a year for sure. And I I still don't know how I feel about it, but um, I'm willing to wait it out and see. Yeah, wow, you just went off for a while, and I I uh, kind of drawn me to sleep because it was. Uh, Uneventful, uh, as has the Red it's, Sox been well, this, this season. Not throwing money down the drain with Carlos Rodon. Oh, but you are throwing money down the drain. You are. You didn't mention this today, right about an hour ago. Breaking news: Boop, beep, 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 bop. Matt Barnes has been designated for assignment. The once yeah. all-star pitcher. You are going to pay him seven and a half million dollars to not play for your team this year, kind of like what the Giants did with James Bradbury um, this year, and he's having a great year for the Eagles. So, honestly, I'll take Barnes on the Yankees, sign him to a minor league deal, and I hope that he goes on a, on a with us on a nice, big postseason run. Yeah, you wish that he was a reverse Whitlock, but you'll never get that. I don't think so, but... Matt Barnes in the second half of last year did have under two ERA, and you know he uh, he's got some life in him still. I think he, I think he did look good at the end of the year, and I, I, I've I, been asking myself questions for the last uh, hour, uh, as you said, why Ryan Brazier wasn't one who was cut. But I mean, I guess it comes down to salary cap considerations. Uh, Heim Bloom made a comment that. Ryan Brazier's projections look better for this year, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I love Matty Batpax. I think, you know, he was incredible in our 2018 postseason run. Um, he's an incredible player to have in the clubhouse. I don't understand DFAing him over someone like Ryan Brazier. Um, but it is what it is. We'll just have to see it play out and, I mean, both of them are inconsistent pitchers, so that's – I mean, it comes down to, like, you're picking between a not great pitcher and a not great pitcher. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to put it, so it is what it is. I don't I don't think there's going to be much of a difference between the skill level of the two guys, so. 
All right. It comes down to money, then you just accept it and move on. Well, well you're going to have to swallow. You're going to have to swallow a lot of pills this year because it's going to be tough watching that this Red Sox team. I'll stand by that. You can clip this if I'm wrong, um, but that won't happen. You know that. Yeah. You know deep down in your heart of hearts this team is just going to be awful. And we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, um, you've got a rotation of Sale, Corey Kluber, and James Paxton. I mean, those were Cy Young finalists just five years ago. Yeah, if this was 2015, I I would be I would be shaking in my boots if this was 2015 with the roster. Yeah, I bet you would be. But it's it's 2023, so let's uh, let's move to the future, and the future is probably still the Houston Astros to beat in the American League, and it's everybody else. But I think. The Blue Jays are just – I mean, our division is still going to be the best division in baseball. I don't think the Orioles are going anywhere with their young talent. They're, they're going to be pesky. The Rays are just so well coached. And then the Blue Jays and Yankees are just loaded from top to bottom. So I, I – uh, except for the Yankees in left field. Uh, Brian Cashman said that Aaron Hicks could be the starter. And I, oh, gosh. I want to cry. But that's enough for that. We're still a long way away, and fingers crossed in spring training, somebody, Oswaldo Cabrera, hint, hint, please win the left field job over Aaron Hicks because I can't I can't see him play left field for the Yankees anymore. That's fair. But uh, we go to football because it is still a long way off from baseball season. I know we get the itch to talk about baseball all the time. But it is still football season, and we must enjoy it while it still lasts. The divisional round ended up this weekend. We will summarize what happened in each of the games. Then we'll do a preview of this conference championship week. And once again, every week of this playoffs, before before every, every week has started, we have done our Super Bowl prediction based on the previous week. And, yeah, that should be fun. Uh Beals, as a little preview, Beals' teams did not fare so well that he thought we're going to go and go to the Super Bowl this past week. So he may want to change his his prediction coming into this week. But we start, of course, with the Saturday games, the Chiefs and Jaguars. Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, high ankle sprain. Chad Henney is the saving grace. End of the second quarter leads an eight-minute 98-yard touchdown drive, and the Chiefs end up holding on by a touchdown. I thought the Jaguars were just about as good as the Chiefs looked, just about as good as the Chiefs. And if Jamal Agnew doesn't fumble, a couple little things happen differently. You know, and the Chiefs, if they didn't have Travis Kelsey, then I, I think this game could have been much different. But they do. Andy Reid coached up a great game. The defense, especially for the Chiefs, got after it. Chris Jones, Frank Clark. So, yeah, but the big story coming out of this one is Patrick Mahomes, MVP, widely considered to be the best quarterback in the league, high ankle sprain. And now, the yes, they have a home game still because the Bengals beat the Bills, but this Chiefs team – Patrick Mahomes is 0-4 against Joe Burrow, so makes it even a tougher task with an ankle sprain. 
It sure does. Yeah, but uh, Trevor Lawrence lost, so that's the uh, that's the saving grace for us as South Carolina stands. Yeah. We, uh, I was rooting against him very hard. Yeah, but and that paid off. But getting to the Saturday night game, Beal, I want to get your reaction on this because this is the game we really cared about as Giants fans, and it was soul-crushing, embarrassing. And if I would have to wrap it up in one last word, I would say – promising Ew. and I'll, I'll i'll get to that to that last word when it comes back to me but what did you think about this game it was 38 to 7 a whomping by the eagles it was absolutely despicable um it was a gross display of um everything um i i don't know i, I just it was so tough to watch that game especially against the eagles um, the Giants have been questionable throughout the year. I, I'd say, you know, we were really hot early on, kind of faltered a little bit in the middle of the season, um, finished off, I, I don't know, kind of decent. I, I, I would say towards the end of the year, I didn't have a ton of confidence, but you know, the first, uh, wildcard game, I, that confidence built a little bit. I thought we had a great display against the Vikings. The offense was looking great. Um, to me, the Giants offense just didn't look the same. There was a lot of, you know, short conversions uh, early on in the Vikings game that just set up the running game. Uh, Saquon wasn't really leaned on that much. And um, Daniel Jones was kind of able to get to everywhere he needed to be and make the throws that he needed to make. And um, that just wasn't the case on Saturday. He wasn't able to complete the early first down passes and, uh, or early first and second down passes uh we weren't able to set up an effective running game with Saquon I think he legged out that 40 yard run which was uh you know very intriguing when it happened I I was getting pretty excited after that um working out of deep in our territory but um it just it it didn't really pick up from there it was kind of just back to same thing we were seeing middle late of the season where our offense just couldn't get going and I mean, I don't blame it all on them. I, I think our defense was pretty lackluster, and, you know, we didn't put a whole lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts. Um, and when we did, he was able to get outside the pocket and use his legs. And um, Devontae Smith looked great. I mean, the Eagles are just all around an incredible team, and they were going to be tough to stop regardless. But losing by so much was so demoralizing, and um, uh, that was just painful to me. So, I mean, I, uh, I'm feeling it. You said there's, there's a little bit of promise. I, I, I see what you mean. I think we're a young team. We're growing and, um, you know, learning how to play better defense and contain some of these better offenses in the league. And um, Kayvon Thibodeau has been such a bright spot in the last couple of weeks. But um, I – I'm feeling quite the opposite just because the uncertainty that we have in our offense right now, Um, you know, Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay were hurt basically all year. Uh, Danny Jones is going to be hitting free agency. I, I don't doubt that we'll be able to get him back, but Saquon is now asking for a CMC like contract, which I believe he deserves. I think he should be. Whoa, I I did not see that. He said, the Giants offered him 12 mil 
um, per year. And he said that he wants 16 mil or in the range of Christian McCaffrey's contract. Which Why did he say that? I don't know. I saw Just, that on Twitter this morning. Oh, maybe maybe he changed. But in his exit interview with the team when they got back to the locker room the day after the game, he said yeah. he doesn't want to reset the market, which would be 16 mil. Yeah. And, you know, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Mixon, Aaron Jones, all those guys get paid right around $12, 13000000 million. Yeah. And Saquon Barkley, I mean, if he wants $16 million, the Giants are going to have to let him walk. I mean, we, yeah, I know he's been really and on the field this game. Saquon is probably the only player that the Eagles, position wise, would take on their team to upgrade because the Eagles' offensive line, receivers, tight end, quarterback, defensive line I mean, everywhere they just looked like they just had more talent at every single position, except maybe running back. And that is, I mean, the talent discrepancy, I mean, it's this, it's Joe Schuin's first years as general manager. And he's got, he's got a long hill to climb to, to add the amount of depth that the teams like the Eagles and Niners have. So we'll see, we'll see where we go from here. I was, maybe I, I should take back my adjective of promising. The only reason I said promising is because of what was said in the locker room in that Saquon said that he doesn't want to reset the market. Jones would loves to be in New York. Saquon also said he'd love to be a giant for life. Same goes for Julian Love. And those are the only three guys, free agent-wise, that, that are, are really good players. Um, yeah. And like really bit would be big talent losses for the Giants. Not that Richie James and Feliciano and, and a bunch of other guys who are going to be free agents aren't decent players, but you know, lock in starters and good starters like those three guys I just mentioned. It would be great to get all three of them back. Most likely, we only get two because we'll probably look elsewhere as well, but. Yeah, if we're going to debate what Saquon should earn, I I'm, I mean, the season he put together, incredible. Five years in the league, though, he's had two good ones his rookie year and this year. I know it's a contract year, and, and he felt like he had to prove it, and he did. And I'm not saying he, – he deserves to be paid like a top five running back in the league. But a top two running back in the league, I – I, I would be hard pressed to to find a find an argument for that because that's I, fair and I mean it wouldn't be the first time that a report is wrong I I went back and looked at it it, it was reported by Fox Sports this morning and um uh, some dude named Vacchiano uh, reported that he hears he wants uh, near Christian McCaffrey's sixteen million average so I mean honestly if if the Giants, we we know the Giants, uh, reportedly offered twelve million annual, um, and if Saquon's asking for sixteen, that probably means that there's a settle in there for fourteen. So, I, I think I think that's a little bit more fair. Like you were saying, I, I mean, some of the other big running backs in the league, Aaron Jones, uh, and Derrick Henry, are being paid twelve a year. I, I think you know there's, uh, you know, something to be said for a new free agent class and um, Saquon coming off 
you know, and uh, basically an all pro year um, in the NFC. I, I think, I think he can make more than that, but I, I would be happy to see the giants offer at least 13. And if he emphatically says no and wants way more than that, then you're going to just have to be okay with letting him go. Cause I think you're right. I, I don't think, um, you know, the giants will be able to pay him that 16, maybe some team out there will be able to pay him, but um, hopefully in some way, shape or form, we'll get a little bit of a hometown discount and he'll want to come back and play for the giants. But I mean, it, a report could be wrong. One at two, he could just be playing hardball early on and, you know, see how much he can get out of the giants, but you know, maybe he's, his intention is to sign uh, back here. So um, I would, I would be feeling a lot of promise too, if that's the case. Uh, and honestly, I guess we'll just have to see it play out. And, um, but I, I mean, I, I do believe that Saquon is uh, at times the heart and soul of this team when he is on the field and you could see it. He just brings so much energy to the offense. And um, when he starts to hit those, even just the five or six yard runs on first down, when he starts to hit those consistently, which we've seen him do all year, it just it brings an extra punch to the offense and um, really, really opens it up for Daniel Jones and the rest of the cast. So I, uh, I love Saquon. I hope he's back. But, you know, again, it's a tricky situation here when you get someone who's asking for a record-breaking contract or at least, you know, close to a record-breaking contract. Right, exactly. And and would you, out of these guys I'm, I'm going to mention, would you pay him, uh, I mean, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara. I mean, I would pay him more than Zeke. I think he's worth more than Zeke. And McCaffrey, Kamara had a down year. But, I mean, guys like Dalvin Cook, Chubb, Aaron Jones have stayed, have had their own injury history except for Nick Chubb, really. But I, I, I don't know how, how he's going to convince a team to pay him more than fourteen million dollars a year. But if yeah, they especially do, at twenty-seven, right? He's going to no, be he's, he's going to be twenty-six next year. Okay, well, uh, especially at twenty-six as a running back, I, I mean, maybe maybe you get four more years at like in that contract. Uh, I, I think. You know, most teams are hesitant to sign a running back multiple years after 30. So I think this is his chance to get, you know, a nice looking four year deal. And I don't know, I think it's fair to say that he could get 56 over four, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that 64 that he was looking for is is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he supplanted Jones, Mixon's um, deals. But even Chubb has $12.2 I think he'll surpass that. But Derrick Henry, the amount, the importance of him to his football team, and he gets paid $12.5 Dalvin Cook, 12.6. So if we make Saquon the third highest paid running back, which would – which would just have to be 13 million. I hope he takes that to stay. I mean, he'd he'd probably want four or five years to pay him until he's 30. And that's, that's a huge ask, but you know, who knows, who knows? I hope we, 
I love Saquon. I, I, he's the most electric player we've had on offense in, I mean, in the past five years. So yeah, he, he's been that guy, and uh, I think he does deserve to get to get paid. And uh, I'm sure, so somebody's going to find his value, whether it's the Giants or somebody else in the league. So hopefully. Hopefully he's back, cross our fingers. But uh, moving on to Sunday and back to football, we have the first Sunday game, which was also a whomping. The Bengals went to Buffalo in a snow game and with everybody downing their offensive line, ran for uh, over 150 yards on the ground and completely dominated the the Bills 27 to 10. Most team, most people coming into the the playoffs, even and coming into the year, the Bills were the Super Bowl favorite. And and they it's not it didn't look like they were even close. No. They, they, I mean it was never really close at all. No. And I'm just I'm just gonna say that. I mean, early on in his career, Burrow has now beaten Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs and Josh Allen. So, I mean, I think obviously he's gotten a lot of respect over the last couple of years. But, I mean, you're looking at a a kid who is now becoming one of the more dominant quarterbacks in the playoffs who has knocked off now multiple MVP candidate quarterbacks. So, uh, that is – that is not something to glance over, especially going into Kansas City next week. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Cold. Ice cold. Ice water in his veins. <laughs> yeah, Joe Joe Swaggy, Joe Shiesty, whatever, whatever you want to call him, he has an aura about him that just screams – he does not care what anybody's saying. He does not care whenever anybody thinks of him. He doesn't even care who's playing on his team. He's just no. going to go out there and win football games. And when the lights shine the brightest, Joe doesn't shy away. He steps right into the light. And uh, I would be, I would be shocked if they don't also, they don't beat the Chiefs again this year. And I would they look like the better team right now. I mean, you know, there's, I guess, you know, we don't want to jump too far ahead in this episode, but, you know, obviously with uh, the, the injury that Patrick Mahomes um, had incurred over the weekend, um, you know, there might be an advantage there, but I, I don't think that takes away from Joe Burrow. I think, you know, he's going to have, um, just as successful or maybe more successful postseason than he had last year. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And things have to be said. That Bengals defense and their defensive coordinator do an amazing job. They they have the best second-half stats of any team. I, I'm pretty sure they only gave up three points to the Bills in the second half. And I, I don't know what is done at halftime. I, I, I don't you know, half times are pretty short, so I don't I don't know how much they can change at halftime, but he does an incredible job with that defense. And especially with the defense, their secondary, their best corner right now is Eli Apple. And he's we we both know he's not very good at all. No, he sucks. He is all talk and he does not back it up at all. 
he is he is the epitome of he's probably I would compare him to Josh Norman when Josh Norman had his last year in the league. That's that's it. Josh Norman in his prime could I mean Eli Apple couldn't hold couldn't hold an apple to Josh Norman's career yeah. as as it stands right now. But gosh, do, with that as your best corner, I, I don't know how they were able to shut down Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis and all of the weapons that the Bills possessed, but they did it. So hats off to the Bengals and even hats off to Eli Apple. He did a good job. So we got to give credit where credit is due, right, Bill? Yeah, but he's such an asshole. <laughs> he is such an asshole. We just might think that way because he burned the Giants so no, badly. And- I mean, he just he's just an asshole. On the football field, on social media, he's just – he's such an ass. Yeah, he's a troll. That's what he is. He's a troll. He's and... – you know who he is? He's Patrick Beverly of the NFL. Oh, that's a pretty good – that's a pretty good – yes. Uh, it's a guy that you want on your team, so everybody hates him and doesn't hate the rest the rest of you. But if you're not on the team with him, he's probably one of the most hated guys around the league. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good analogy. Yeah, yeah. that's that's pretty good. But as we move on, we we did we're jumping ahead to the Super Bowl already. But the best game this weekend had was this last game between the Niners and Cowboys, and it wasn't great. I mean, both defenses played incredible. But what was great for us Giants fans and to find some solace, this is where I was getting at with the promising statement. I knew that after getting blown out with the Eagles, there was a promise that the Cowboys would find a way to break the hearts of their fans. And, and they did it. Dak Prescott did it. He got outplayed by Mr. Irrelevant, a seventh round rookie, Brock Purdy. And I couldn't be happier. I mean, yeah, I am on cloud nine because the Cowboys do it again. When everybody says that they're a wagon you know, this is their year. It's always their year. It's always their year. And they haven't been to a conference championship in their last, I think it's 12 or 13 playoff appearances. I saw they just broke their own record for how many times they've been in the playoffs consecutively and failed to reach a conference championship. So yeah. I'm loving it. It's, yeah, it's miserable for Dallas fans right now. Um, I enjoy it. I also would not have watched the NFC Championship if the Cowboys are facing the Eagles. So uh, thank you, Brock Purdy, for not allowing that to happen. Um, And, I mean, speak of another quarterback in the playoffs who just does not give a shit. Like, he will beat you one way or another. doesn't matter if you're the best quarterback in the league. doesn't matter if the defense is the best passing defense in the league. Brock Purdy is just going out there and doing his thing every single week. Yeah, it's pretty impressive what what he's done as a rookie. And he, he did he did not play phenomenal this past week, and the Niners were not hey, clicking on offense. Won. But they won the game. <laughs> so on to Philadelphia for them. So going into our previews, we have Kansas City hosting in the AFC against the three-seeded Bengals. And the one-seeded Eagles hosting the two-seeded Niners. It's all chalk. There's no Cinderella stories. All four of these teams could easily win the Super Bowl and are talented enough to do so. 
But we're going to break down why some of these teams will win and, and some won't. So we'll start with the AFC because we are NFC guys. We'll start with Mahomes with his high with his high ankle sprain, which usually takes most players except quarterbacks because quarterbacks can can put pressure off of their foot because they they don't need to run a lot. But he needs he needs his foot to uh, push off and throw with. So it's Is it his right foot. I think it's his left. Okay, gotcha. I will have to check that. But no matter, he is going to be hobbled. And, you know, he was still hobbled this past week against Jacksonville. And it it only gets worse the next day after putting all that pressure on it. So, I don't know. Just because of that, I want to say the Bengals because the Bengals look so good. But if this playoffs has, has taught me anything, the Cowboys and Giants look like the best teams of the divisional round coming in. Jaguars coming off a miracle win. The Bills even putting up a lot of points, and the Bengals did not look great and should have been beaten at home by the Ravens. So if all those things align, everything in my brain says that it will be a Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl, which is why I am going to stick to my prediction that I've had all year which has been the Niners get revenge over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl from three years ago, that Super Bowl. And George Kittle, Debo Samuel, they win their first Super Bowl. I, I knew I jumped, I jumped, I way jumped ahead, but that's where my thought process is. Somehow, some way, Kansas City's gonna find a way to win this game at home, some fluky way. This is gonna be an incredible game. I think both games will be incredible. And much better than the, even though the divisional round had four games, all the games, I was not on the edge of my chair for any of them. I think I will be for these conference championship games, and I can't wait for this weekend to watch these games. Yeah, I I can't wait either. Um, I mean, I'm going to, I was, I don't know, obviously very much want the Niners to win. Um, but I will stick with the Eagles. They were my choice before they beat the Giants. Um, and then I chose the Giants because, obviously, confidence is key. Um, the Giants lost. Uh, so I guess that puts me back to the Eagles. I really want to switch to the Niners. But I'm going to have some consistency here, especially because if I stick with the Niners uh, – excuse me. Uh, if I stick with the Eagles this week, then – if they do make it into the Super Bowl, then I, you know I could get a few points for predicting correctly on this podcast, and that's not something I do very often. So I'm going to stick with the team that I picked first at the beginning of the playoffs. Obviously, don't want them to win. I would be very distraught if they do win. I love Brock Purdy. I love the 49ers offense. I'll be rooting for him, CMC, and Debo to light it up this weekend. But, you know, we'll see what happens Root for the Niners, but the Eagles are going to win. Um, and then in the AFC, uh, I'm I'm Bengals right now. I'm Bengals all the way. Uh, Joe Burrow looks like the guy. Um, as I said, and honestly, I, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I, I think he could do it on one foot, two feet, whatever. It, he's an incredible quarterback, so much arm strength. Um, I don't think it's going to affect him much. But I just I think Burrow's uh, Burrow's gonna edge him out once more uh, this year, and um, I, I don't 
I, that's just, I, I don't know. That's, that's how I'm feeling right now. Um, I think it makes sense in my mind, but I'm very excited for the Bengals and chiefs uh, rematch in the AFC championship. Um, it's, it's going to be an awesome game. And uh, I, I think, you know, all the people that started to count out the Bengals before the bills game uh, is going to have to, you know, eat their words a little bit here. So um, ultimately Bengals over the Eagles in the Super Bowl. All right. I don't hate that prediction. Honestly, in my heart of hearts, like I just said, that is what I think most people are going to predict this weekend is Bengals and Eagles Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, I, I like to zig when other people zag, but also I can't state the obvious. So everybody had the bills over the Bengals this past weekend. It felt like everybody. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of people had the Cowboys beating the Niners. So, you know, I, I I like to root for the underdog. So I am going to stick with 49ers over Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It has not let me down yet this playoffs. I've stuck with this throughout the entire season. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with it now. And if it comes to fruition, then – I will become the football expert of this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll proclaim you the football expert if you win. Um, and if you don't, you're probably still the football expert. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I will, I will wear, wear that crown with pride. That, not that it says very much, but thank you, Bill. Thank you nonetheless. Well, that does it for us this week. And I just, I just have to say, I, I am, I am sad that the football season is coming to an end. There's only three games left, unless you want to count the flag football game that is the Pro Bowl now. Oh, gosh, but I'm not going to count that. There's three real football games left, and you know, then it's on to college basketball, and looking forward to March Madness. So we got to enjoy, enjoy it while it lasts, Beal. Yeah, yeah, I will enjoy. I I will say this about the Pro Bowl. Um, the NFL had completely. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what to call it. Uh, it basically got me to proclaim that there's no shot in watching the Pro Bowl. Uh, by you know the new rules that came out and just the way the game's going to be played, I was not interested at all. And then there was an announcement that Eli and Peyton were coaching, and I was like. Oh man, I'm kind of roped back in. So we'll we'll see what happens that day. But I might find myself watching it just because I am a Manning lover. Yes, I, and aren't we all? They are hilarious. When they were doing the Monday night football games on ESPN two this whole year, I would watch that stream because they have a great back and forth with each other. So I'm sure that they will make the the Pro Bowl fun for the fans. And I, I like to watch more of like the dodgeball competitions, the throwing competitions beforehand. I don't think I'll enjoy watching them play flag football very much, but maybe I will. And, and you know, I'm up to try something new. But speaking of trying new things and enjoying things, as always, and we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy your sunsets, your sunrises, your brunches, and your lunners. I just, I just had a had a wonderful dinner with uh with a nice yeah a nice little fajita bowl so 
Yeah. Enjoy what you got. We love y'all. Beal, take us out. Jokic for MVP.